Do you love brownies? Of course you love brownies. But you know what's better than a brownie? A delicious, handcrafted, gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep. That's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer. Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave. From the classic OB to Dutch Apple to Campfire S'mores and many more. Check out their website, SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too, at SweetLifeBrownie underscore co, for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043, and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, 845-641-3043. Sweet Life Brownie Co., because there's always room for a brownie. Well, it's a show. Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome to these this special. Saturday edition of the Fade Route with D&Z. I am D, and we've got a great show for you today. King James does not make the postseason. Baseball season starts, and the NCAA season comes to an end. But we begin today's show with the death of Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne died today after being struck by a car in Florida where he was doing his off-season workouts. Dwayne was a former first-round pick of the Washington Redskins. In college, he set a bunch of Big Ten records while playing for Ohio State. He struggled with Washington, but was expected to compete for the starting quarterback position with the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Dwayne was 24 years old. Life is precious, Z, and and tomorrow is promised to no one. This one hit me in a different way. And, you know as it should you know like you can go into his record as a player you can go into you know the promise of him coming out of college and you can go into all that as a football player but you know, the bottom line is the stats don't matter right now a 24 year old man is dead a 24 year old man is dead entering the prime of his life he didn't even reach it yet you know you know he seemed to have turned over a new leaf if you believe what Coach Mike Tomlin has said, and I believe what Coach Mike Tomlin has said because Mike Tomlin has a stellar reputation. He was a hard worker. Haskins was a hard worker. He was active in the community since he got there from Washington. And, you know, the bottom line is this. A 24-year-old man is dead, and we need to mourn that. And, you know, football, football lost a member of their family. Yeah, Adam Schefter's catching a lot of heat on Twitter right now because he's listing him as, like, you know, his accolades and and how he didn't really quite pan out in Washington. And uh, Cardell Jones came out of hard and be like, listen, 
you got to put the football talk aside right now. This is a man. He's a, he's got a family, and that takes precedence off of everything he did on a football field. And uh, Adam then took down the post and just kind of retweeted what the Washington uh, commies have uh, put out for him. So, yeah, I mean, uh, wanted to start to the show off with that news because it just broke literally like an hour ago. Um, but we have a lot of other things to talk about today. Um, you know, we can begin today's show with the NCAA tournament finale. Kansas came back from being down by over 15 points at halftime to beat North Carolina, 82-79. Uh, what what were your takeaways from the game, and what are your thoughts on Bill Self elevating his coaching stature and the Jayhawk program? Well, we'll start with the Bill Self thing, because as you know, I am not a huge proponent of Bill Self. I've said it over and over and over again how I don't trust him. And it wouldn't have surprised me if Hubert Davis in his first year as a head coach beat Bill Self because that's how little I think of Bill Self as a coach. They still only won by three. Yeah. Again, it was a 1-8 game, right? This is a game. This is a team that Bill Self, with the team that he has, should have run out of the gym. And they only won by three. And they were losing by 15 at the half. Thankfully, they got Remy Martin out of the transfer portal because he came off the bench with 14. You had four starters in double digits, which was good. And this game really exposed how you can't have a short rotation in college. You need to have these guys playing. This isn't the pros. And even so, in the playoffs, you can't have a short rotation in the playoffs in the pros. And I think that, you know, I'm impressed with Hubert Davis as a coach particularly in his first season, but this is growing pains for him. And he's going to know next year, I can't rotate seven guys in. I need to be deeper. I need to be better. And, you know, frankly, kudos to Kansas. They won the game. This is frankly a game they should have won. And uh, they got to cut down the nets and listen to one shining moment. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think this was the best championship game we've seen in the last couple of months. Like, I thought this game was better than the Super Bowl. I really? went, I did, I did. And a lot of people kind of disagree with me, but listen, going into the game, I didn't know who was going to win. I wanted Kansas to win. I thought Kansas should win, but Carolina was coming off of just such, just, just such hotness, right? They were just streaky. Like, they were just hot at the right time. And they, they took down Duke and, and they won all these games in a string together. And they didn't know what to expect. And then you get into the game and, and Kansas starts the game cold. And and North Carolina's knocking down shots. You go into halftime. And and the, the Jayhawks are down 15. And I'm like, well, and, and Bill Self doesn't seem worried. Like, you know, he, he, he didn't seem like he's still joking around with the refs. He's still talking to everybody. He's coaching his players up. He didn't seem worried. And man, in the second half, we saw a different team. We saw the team that played during the regular season and was beating, you know, everybody they played so far in the double in the NCAA tournament by 15. Like that team came to life. And yes, you're right. They only won by three, but they were down by 15 at halftime. So I think they started cold. They got hot. And I was overall really impressed with the game. It was exciting. I watched it at a friend's house and I was like, I, I don't know which way it's, this is going to go. And really, 
North Carolina had a chance to tie it at the end. Could you imagine if that game would have went to overtime and what that would have been like? So, yes, I agree with you. Like, <laughs> I don't trust Bill Self either just because he's broken so many brackets for me. It seems like every time I bet on him, he loses. Every time I don't bet on him, he wins. But, I mean... I, I gotta say I think I think he up, he entered the upper echelon of college basketball coaches by winning this game. I mean he's been there for he's been at Kansas for so long right now, right? And you know it's it's interesting how I feel like college basketball has no sustainability, right? Like after the season's over, like today it's Saturday and they really haven't talked about like college basketball at all. But yeah, I mean that's that was my that was my big thing. Uh, I thought it was a really it was I thought it was better than the Super Bowl. I thought it was better than the World Series. Uh, I thought it was better than the NBA Finals. Like I thought it was it was good stuff. Well, it's hard to keep a sustained talk of college basketball with the one and done rule, right? Because all your best players are gonna leave. Like yeah. they're all gonna declare. Like I'm sure Duke's Bancaro, Remy Martin. These guys are probably gone. So like immediately the focus shifts. You're not going to talk about the college program anymore. Now you're going to talk about the individual players' draft stock. And I think that definitely kills any momentum the NCAA may have because you don't have the team. You don't have dynasties anymore because you have programs, but you don't have dynastic teams because guys don't stay. That's just not how it works. Guys like, you know, guys like Tim Duncan, they don't, you know, they're not there anymore. All the guys from Duke who stayed four years, they don't do that anymore. All the guys from Gonzaga who stay longer, they're not there anymore. And to touch on Bill Self for a little bit, I mean, he becomes an upper echelon head coach mostly because Roy Williams is gone. Yeah. Coach K is gone. Yeah. You know, who are you going to, you're going to put Jay Wright in there. Yeah. I mean, begr- begrudgingly, you're going to put Mark Few in there, even though he hasn't won jack shit. Yeah, you have to. He, he's, he's a winner. He's a winner. He hasn't won a championship, but he's a winner. But this and this was, this was, this was their year, right, for Gonzaga. If there was an outlier, or even during COVID, that was the time to to win. I gotta agree with most of these analysts. I don't see Gonzaga winning. I don't. This was the year that you were supposed to win. You had Timmy and you had Holmgren, who was most likely gonna go over number one overall, and you you, you didn't you didn't make it, man. So. I thought I thought the season overall was interesting. Lots of ups and downs. Still chalked it kind of at the end, except for the eight seed. But mm-hmm. overall, it was a good game. And again, the, the final game was great. But some would argue the semifinal was better, as UNC down Duke in their first ever meeting in the NCAA tournament. This also served as Coach K's final game. Z, is this just another loss in the Duke-UNC rivalry, or is this much more? You know for a fact that if UNC won the title, he would have been like, yeah, he would have pulled a Brady. And like, I don't know where these reports came from. I am not going anywhere. So, but um, it was a hotly contested game. It was evenly matched. If you look at the records, Duke only had two more wins and two fewer losses. So, you know... Duke got a two. They easily could have been in there. I mean, if UNC beat Duke and, you know, if they actually, you know, it's possible that they, they could have been flip-flop. You needed more scoring. Duke needed more scoring from their starters. Ben Caro gave them a double-double. He gave them 20 and 10. But 
you really didn't get scoring from your starters. Keels had to come off the bench with 19. Uh, you really didn't get that much from these guys. Meanwhile, UNC spread their points around. They had, you know, Caleb Love had 28. RJ Davis had 18. You know, rebounding. You know, Bacot had a great game, like 28 boards. Like, that's huge, you know, and that's a huge rebounding performance. I'm sure that UNC, you know, I'm sure they were ratcheted up a little bit and they were a little extra juice to kind of put the death knell in Mike Krzyzewski's career twice. We yeah. got you we got you in the tournament and now we got you in the big tournament. So I'm sure that juiced them up pretty well. And, you know, Krzyzewski ultimately goes out on a bit of a downer. Like, it definitely goes out on a downer and um, we will see what happens going forward especially now that John Shire's taking over they have the number one overall recruiting class and we're gonna see what Duke becomes but I gotta say it was just another rivalry game but on a bigger stage than ever before yeah I mean to, to you I, I I really I gotta disagree I think this is the ultimate fuck you like this <laughs> this is the right they're never coach K is never gonna coach another basketball game again for the rest of eternity, North Carolina will always be able to say, we beat you in the NCAA tournament the only time we played you, and we retired your coach. The the best coach you've ever had in your history, we put him down. The shirts that are circling are outrageous. You got the Tar Heel burying Coach K, which is hilarious like i ordered myself one of those shirts i don't even <laughs> i i i wanted i wanted duke to win but that shirt is just hilarious it's hilarious i i, I you know the minute the game ended what i thought about was in 2000 the mets played the yankees in the world series after the yankees won two of the last three world series if the Yankees would have lost that World Series to the Mets, you could have threw all the World Series out the window. All of them. All of them. None of them would have battered. Because for the rest of eternity, Met fans would be able to say, we beat you in the World Series. After you won all those titles, we beat you in the World Series. Every argument is closed, done. You can't say any. You can, you, you can name Redick. You could talk about Jay Will. You could talk... Carlos Boozer, we're going to say with our first time coach, we beat you the last time he ever played, Coach K ever coached the game in the NCAA tournament for us to go to the championship. The conversation's over. The argument's over. There is no comeback to that. So, I, you know, Coach K's last game, it, it just, it's it's awful. And I, I, he is going to be thinking about that loss for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. Because he he had the better team. And I do think Hubert Davis outcoached him and was better prepared, especially down the stretch of the game. I can't argue that. It's, you know, Hubert Davis had the the team performed better. Yeah. You, the team was more even, where you can't always rely on a superstar player. And, you know, UNC in general they're not relying on that one and done. Whereas Duke has been playing in that pool for a while now. Yeah. They, they've definitely been relying more and more to compete with the Calipari's 
and to compete with you know the other big upper echelon programs and it's starting to it, it's starting to take its toll and i wonder what's going to happen now that they're transitioning from john shire from K, from coach k to john shire because they're saying you know while coach k is going to be an ambassador for duke he's not going to hover around the program you know they're saying all the right things that this is john shire's program and we're gonna you know we're gonna give john shire the they're gonna give him the root but you know it definitely the moment seemed to envelop the team and yeah, yeah. you know you can only have that happen so many times before a team cracks and they crack twice. Like UNC cracked them in in the ACC tournament and then yeah. they went and they did it again. And like you said, the, you're absolutely right. This is the ultimate in bragging rights. It is. But my thing is this. The programs do not end. So this is going to continue on. Yes, you yes, you retired coach K, but the Duke program continues. And if the Duke program continues to thrive even after Coach K is gone, because North Carolina had some lean years. UNC had some lean years before Roy Williams got there. So as as quietly as it's kept, you know, UNC was kind of like hovering, kind of laying in the weeds. And then Roy Williams comes from Kansas and it becomes, it ascends back to prominence. If John Shire can keep Duke at that level, the rivalry, the rivalry, rivalry will withstand it, and it'll be like Yankees Red Sox. It'll be like Giants Cowboys. It'll be like, you know, Lakers Celtics. It will be that level, and it will be sustained at that level. A big congratulations to Long Island Mike for taking home the win in our ESPN tournament bracket. That's right. Pick route 22 goes to Long Island Mike. But speaking of the Lakers, the King will not be trying to ascend to his throne this year as the Lakers have been eliminated from the postseason. There were rumors circulating DeMar DeRozan was interested in becoming a Laker during the offseason, but LeBron was able to persuade the organization to trade for Russell Westbrook instead and bringing in the rotting corpses of Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony. So if DeMar DeRozan was in the Lakers' plans, if he was on that team, would this team have made the postseason? You know, that's tough to say. You know, originally when I saw these reports, I said, yeah. I mean, DeMar was crushing it earlier in the season for the Bulls. But then I thought more about it. And I was like, wait a minute. He was on. He got traded away from the Raptors, and then the Raptors won a championship. I didn't see him elevate a Spurs team with Greg Popovich. So, I mean, there were a lot of issues outside of Westbrook with the Lakers. They, you know, they, they really would have needed to keep Kuzma, Caruso, they would have needed to land a player like Buddy Yield. Um, they they maybe would have been in the hunt, but as far as winning a championship, uh, definitely not winning a championship. But getting to the playoffs, I mean, uh, it's it's tough to say. I mean, there's so many teams that make the playoffs in basketball, so for you not to make it, you got to be pretty bad. So I'm gonna go on to the limb and say, yeah, you know what? They probably they probably would have made it. 
It's, it's possible. I mean, it's definitely within their own possibility. This has been DeMar DeRozan's best scoring year since the 2016 season. So you can't really say with a definitive yes that he would have made the team better. You know, he's a complimentary player. You want him to work with him around AD. You want him to work with LeBron. Absolutely, those this will uh, this will play very well. You know, LeBron would have to facilitate facilitate the ball, or you go in, you get like a you bring back a Rondo or something like that to to kind of work with the point guard position. But yeah. you know, they they lost so many assets. You mentioned Kuzma. You you mentioned uh, KCP. You lost all those guys to bring in Russell Westbrook. Now, if you don't, if you keep those guys and you bring in Demar Derozan, you're better. I don't necessarily think you're at your top of the conference. You know, I, I really, I don't, I don't believe that. No, you're not you have, being the yeah. Suns. I mean, yeah. you're not better. The thing with Demar Derozan is he's like I, I've, I haven't seen that many players play live okay i've seen demar Derozan play live and i have to say that i was actually pretty surprised at his athletic ability mm-hmm. and his and his ability to score within the three-point line like he could take the elbow shot he could take the inside three on the corner shot he can go to the basket maneuver it it's not all like russell Westbrook goes to the Russell Westbrook goes to the hole with authority, you know, and it's sometimes it just slams off the back of the backboard. Sometimes he just crashes into people and he falls. Demar Derozan has finesse. He can finger roll. He can he can dish. He can pull up right at the basket and take a jump shot off the backboard. So to me, he he's a better he's a better all around player, um, and he's not the superstar name. Russell Westbrook is, and he might not be the superstar name Kevin Durant is, but he's a solid basketball player. So um, I do think he would have been better for the team. But the team, you know, they just had so many issues. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's just it's hard to say if if that one thing would have changed much. Now my my question is follow up question to you, based on this roster rotate this roster construction, right? Eleven in the league in points. 19 in the league in rebounds, 16 in assists. Do you fire Rob Polinka? Oh yeah, yeah. But unless unless the organization already understands that he's just facilitating what LeBron is asking him to facilitate, because then if that's the case, you can't be mad at him, right? Like if yeah. Rob is pointing, if he's got the, if you're sitting in the office and Rob's like, okay, yeah, I think we should go get the Mark Rosen. I think we should trade for Buddy Heald. And then at the deadline, you know, let's see if we can make a move. And LeBron comes in and is like, listen, I just got off the phone with Russell Westbrook. He wants to play here. We need to go get that guy. And everyone's like, okay. <laughs> like if that's what happened, you can't get mad at Rob Palenka for that. Um, I'm pretty sure that LeBron was instrumental in getting AD to LA. So, you know, it, it, it all depends. It's like when we talk about baseball. It's like, okay, if you're a numbers guy, if you're a stats guy, if you're a sabermetrics analyst guy, do you get mad at the numbers or do you get mad at, mad at the coach, right? If the coach is going by what the numbers are saying because that's what you've asked him to do, then you can't get mad at him if it fails or if it doesn't work. If, you know, Machado pops out the center, like that's – who's that on? So – 
if if the moves were orchestrated by Palenka, he needs to get fired because they're deplete they're depleted on draft picks. They're maxed out in cap space. It's a mess. There's they're not returning. You're you're not returning to prominence anytime soon. And this is the problem. This is what happens when you get in bed with LeBron James. Right. Like this is you know this is the move. You win. You gear up to win now. And then he leaves, and then you're left holding the bag. And yeah, yeah. Fr- frankly, you know, it, it makes you wonder, is it worth it? He's done that everywhere he's gone, but also everywhere he's gone, he's won a championship. Yeah. So, like, he, yeah, he went to L.A. I mean, he went to Miami, won, what, two, three down there. Then once all the superstars were aged out, they had no more draft picks, he goes to Cleveland. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Well, I guess we should just move on to baseball right now. <laughs> uh, but he goes to Cleveland. And then in Cleveland, uh, they they win a championship. All the superstars age. They have run no more draft picks. He goes to L.A. And it's the same thing now. Right? Same deal. Same but thing. note to the Guardians, stay away from LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. But, you know, just because you had your music playing, let's talk about some baseball. (laughs) Opening day has come and gone. We're in the first weekend of the 2022 season. What has jumped out to you so far? So far, you got a few walk-offs, which is to be expected. Teams are carrying their top prospects. This is so refreshing. Bobby Witt Jr., of the Kansas City Royals not only got the call but he got essentially the game winning hit like clutch moment and he's Ruby on my fantasy Double. team and he's on your fantasy team so there you go you know Spencer Torkelson of the of the Tigers he broke camp teams are not hesitating to bring up their guys and that's a refreshing refreshing take um, there's been a little chippiness, which is to be expected, especially when, you know, you get hit four times and twice in the face. So, you know, you got a little bit of a, you got a little bit of a steel cage match going on between the Nats and the Mets. And, uh, we'll see if there's any retaliation, you know, coming, but, um, overall, you know, you've seen some plenty of pop. Um, I've been surprised to see how much bunting has gone on against the shift like you know we had the um opening night with mets and nets i was locked into that you had several instances of teams bunting with the new d with the the dh no pitcher very interesting is very interesting to see what's going on and ultimately like i think you know it's something to be noticed you, you do have some injuries like giolito lucas giolito of the white Sox just placed on the on the il you know, DeGrom, he's out. Scherzer had to be pushed back. So the shortened spring training is something that we're going to keep an eye on. And um, ultimately, like, things are things are a little quirky, but I'm just glad baseball's back. Yeah, so I had a couple of things. I felt bad for the Pirates. Ryan Hayes, 
Charlie Hayes' son just he signed a record extension with the Pirates and then he gets hurt. <laughs> we we call that Aaron Hicks syndrome. The Pirates can't catch a break, man. Seventy million dollars extension. He's gotta get like an MRI in his wrist. Uh Yankees batting Donaldson first and benching mm-hmm. Glaber Torres. <sighs> you can't stick with that lineup. I mean, come on. Benching Glaber Torres for the opener, that that's just spelling this dude's getting traded. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, Chris Paddock to the Twins? Did I miss something? I cannot figure this out. Paddock, isn't Paddock good? Aren't the Twins trying to lose? What? I don't, I don't get what the Twins are doing for the love of God. Well, and, here's the thing. The asset going back to the twin, from the Twins to the Padres is Taylor Rogers, a 31-year-old all-star closer. So they're definitely they're ensuring the back end of their bullpen. Paddock is only 26, but... He hasn't replicated the same results since his rookie year. But you so, know, you wouldn't say he peaked. He hasn't peaked. No, I wouldn't say he's peaked, but he's definitely he has not lived up to that. So I don't. I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say he's peaked, but teams may have figured him out. So he may need to have a little. He may need to develop something else. And honestly, the Padres are dealing from depth. They have so many guys that. They can afford to move on from a guy like Paddock because you got Clevenger coming back. You have Darvish. You have Snell. You have Denilson Lamette, who's going to eventually come back. You, you just got Mania from the A's. That they're that's an embarrassment of riches, and they could turn around. Justin Upton just got released. They can turn around and sign Justin Upton. We so, talked about that. It's definitely going to happen. It's either it's either the Dodgers or the Padres, but the the Padres are the team that desperately needs an outfielder. So there's there's still going to be movement, and you didn't even mention the fact Michael Conforto's still on the market. I can't understand that evil. He it's got to be a money thing with him. But my last surprise is for you. Mm. What is it with the Mets fans' obsession with Dom Smith? Why wouldn't the Mets want to trade Dom Smith and a player for Chris Paddock? Isn't Chris Paddock better than Chris Bassett? Well, I had no problem with Dom Smith. I would have preferred dealing J.D. Davis. To me, they're similar players, just one is right-handed, one is left-handed. I would have preferred to keep the additional left-handed bat. But this was all about taking Eric Hosmer and the percentage of money that, that the Padres wanted the Mets to take. The Mets did not want to take all of the contract. They wanted the Padres to eat some of it. The Padres were not as willing to play ball with that. And it was very much like the Josh Beckett, Mike Lowell trade, if you remember that one. It was, you know, Josh Beckett, you want Josh Beckett? You got to take Mike Lowell. That turned out to be very good for the Red Sox because he was a World Series MVP. Now, I'm not saying Eric Hosmer would automatically make, you know, the, the Mets better, but I prefer Eric Hosmer's glove to Pete Alonzo's. I mean, Pete Alonzo looked lost on opening day. No offense to Polar Pete. I hope your I hope your lip is doing better. But Eric Hosmer is a better defensive first baseman than you. Dom Smith is a better first ba- defensive first baseman than Pete Alonso. But it was all about money. It was all about money. And AJ Preller found the right money mark. All right. So it, then, all right. Really so then, is is Paddock better than Chris Bassett? At this stage in his game, yeah. I would say I would say they're comparable. I would say they're comparable. Bassett is older. That's the one thing that would give me that I would go. I would go Paddock over Bassett because of the fact that Paddock is younger and he's only 26 as compared to 31, 32. And, you know, ultimately it was too, it's the, 
it's the kicker of including Eric Hosmer. That's the thing. Like, it is very strange to me that it would have only cost Dom Smith. Like, Eric Hosmer is a former World Series MVP, multi-time All-Star. Chris Paddock equated himself very well in San Diego for that first year, and it would only cost you Dom Smith? That seems like a no-brainer to me. Right? That's what I said, and I couldn't understand it. If it, was a fan, if it was a fantasy baseball trade, it would be rejected by the league. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand how they th- – well, I, I get what you're saying, why. But still, I was arguing with Mets fans all day uh, – this week about how oh we got to keep Dom Smith we can't give up Dom Smith I'm not giving anybody who's Dom Smith like what take him here and a ham sandwich give me Chris Paddock but anyway moving on the Oakland A's continued to dump salary last weekend uh so uh and they actually dealt arguably their best pitcher Sean Manaya Manaya to the Padres for a couple of ham sandwiches uh is this recent salary dump an effort to sign some high-priced free agents next year or is this an effort to relocate the team at some point well i hate to break it to the owner of the a's but miami is taken so you know it's vegas Vegas. option you know it's vegas it's vegas Vegas is going to be the way vegas or montreal i think those are the only two realistic viable options but you if you are going to move this team, you need to clear out and save up as much room financially as possible. And then you got to do what the Marlins did when they moved into the ballpark and dump it into free agency. And, you know, you bring in a Jose Reyes, you bring in Mark Burley, you bring in these guys and you try and sell out that ballpark. You know, you're trying. And that's just not the A's style, right? No, that's not. Mean, the, That's not the, the A style. The funny thing is, if you go back, but granted, in 1991, <laughs> the Oakland A's had the highest payroll in the bigs. You had <laughs> McGuire, Kinseko, Ricky Henderson, Dave Stewart, Carney Lansford, Terry Steinbach. You had so many guys on that team who performed well and paid well. Look at this team now. And the salary's still the same. Yeah, it's the same payroll. They have the same payroll. Brilliant. They have the same payroll, but different results. Drastically different results. Now, I mean, I don't... They're accumulating prospects. I understand what they're doing because they, they're cash-strapped. I understand that. But um, at the end of the day, I, what is going to entice an Oakland A's fan to come to this ballpark? Frankie Montas is the one guy you got left, and... They're probably going to trade Frankie Montas, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see Billy Bean signing high-priced free agents. Uh, Oakland's been trying to get a new stadium for years. I got to believe that this is why they're dumping players. They want to suck and get attendance down to you know try to facilitate this move. Um, but I'm actually with the city of, Los- of, of Oakland on this. Um, I think Oakland has a lot of larger issues that they need to tackle rather than dumping money into a new baseball facility. Now, I, you know, we've never really talked about this, but even the situation now in Buffalo, like, I'm sorry, but the area of Buffalo has a lot more problems with homelessness, housing, and education to be, to be putting all this money into a stadium. No, you're absolutely right. And, and so so my whole thing is I 
I, uh, I, I'm on, I'm on the side with Oakland with this. The city is that I do not think that they should be putting taxpayer dollars into a new stadium because at the end of the day, the stadium is only open for X amount of months out of the year. It only provides X amount of jobs. And yeah, they all talk about the taxes it generates and the revenue. It doesn't matter. Taxes go up and down. Taxes, taxes continue to go up. Okay. So, uh, especially with the situation in Buffalo, you're not putting a dome on the damn stadium. So you're only going to use it 10, 10 days out of the 10, 10 weeks out of the year. And then it's a wrap in Oakland or, you know, what are you going to do? I don't think you're going to attract more people. The Warriors left. They built the Warriors a place in San Francisco. Did that help the, the housing crisis in San Francisco? Did that help the homeless situation in San Francisco? Nope. Did San Francisco really need a new basketball uh, arena? So lawmakers can come in and say whatever they want, and, and players and teams can pull the ish that, that the Oakland A's are pulling. But that new stadiums does not drive revenue. Does not. I'm not. I'm not getting on a plane and going to Oakland to see a baseball game just because they got a new arena or a new stadium. No, That's definitely just- not. Especially when you're running out guys like, <clears throat> you're ready for this, uh, Paul Blackburn. No offense, Mr. Blackburn. Dalton Jeffries. Uh, AJ Puck, maybe. Um, Sean Murphy. Like, he might be gone. Uh, Elvis Andrews. Your most, no- your, your most notable player is Elvis Andrews. Yeah, Elvis Andrews, he is, he has not been a prominent player in years since he was a so, brave yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he, oh no he 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 had some time in texas i think he, he went had, to the world series yeah he went to he went back to back world series in texas but like you're looking at sky bolt seth brown billy mckinney who is drawing who you you go to watch the team you don't go to the ballpark to see the ballpark like that's not why you go to baseball games like, no. yeah, that's absolutely not why you do these things and you know I, I understand saving as much money as you can I understand trying to win on a budget but ultimately that's going to bite the Oakland A's in the ass and you know what if they leave they leave and down the line you get somebody else the Sonics left to go to Oklahoma City it took a it took a it took a long time but uh, Seattle did get a new baseball arena, a uh, baseball stadium. They have the Kraken now. That's right. So, you know, whatever, whatever. You got to get all your ducks in a row before you go and try to hound taxpayers for new arenas for players that don't even play every day, right? I mean, that's the other issue that comes into play. That becomes the issue. That definitely is the issue. And, I mean,. If you, it's the one thing, like if you go to see attractions, right? Players as attractions, there's only so much that, you know, unless you're like, I'm perfect story. I went to spring training. It was Angels Dodgers in hopes that Mike Trout was going to play. First time to Dodger Stadium. This is great. I'm going to get to see Mike Trout. And, And then what happens? They hold Mike Trout out of the game. So, I mean, granted, there was enough star power that, okay, I don't, you know, I'm watching a good baseball game, but if this is going to be your selling point, like, you know, it's definitely, you know, you definitely can't put a triple A ball club out there and expect people to pay high prices. 
Yeah, that's because, the other thing. because that's the other thing. You're right. That's 100 percent the other thing. Because you're gonna you're gonna get this new stadium, and then what? Are you gonna try to pull the same shit you've been pulling for the last 20 years, where you develop guys, and then as soon as they get big, you let them go? Is that what you're gonna do? That right? seems to be their move. Like that is definitely the. Don't think. Don't tell me you get a shiny new stadium and you're gonna change the way that you. Uh, play baseball, right? It's Oakland A baseball, right? This is what exactly. we do. We're numbers. We're numbers, guys. Right? No, so- it totally is. If you look at, I mean, you look at them and you look at Tampa Bay, right? These are the two model franchises for this. And Tampa Bay, they're not going to change who they are. It's working. Right. It's, and they're, you know, they're another group that's looking for a new stadium and they've even threatened to play after their games in Canada. And, they, and Major League Baseball's called their bluff. Like, all right, yeah. You sure. told them, they told them to fuck right off about that. <laughs> right. Is your hair thinning or is your hairline receding? Scalp micropigmentation will fill in the areas where your hair is missing by creating a short buzz cut look. Micropigmentation is a non-invasive procedure that will create the illusion of hair follicles for 7 to 10 years. For people with alopecia, this could be a permanent fix. For people with scars on their scalp, this is a great way to camouflage a scar. Don't lose confidence or feel like you need to wear a hat wherever you go. Marquez Studio is located in the Bronx and is open for all your scalp micropigmentation needs. Consultations are free and appointments can be made any day of the week. Get your hairline back with scalp micropigmentation. The techs at Marquez Studio have over 30 years of hair cutting experience and can assist you with all of your questions. Call to schedule a consultation today, 646-221-8728. You can also visit them on Instagram at Bronx Marquez to see their gallery and view all their satisfied customers. Again, that is Marquez Studio, located in the Bronx, New York, 646-221-8728. The NFL offseason staying spicy with the Patriots trading in division for Devontae Parker. And then we have the Saints trading with trading with the Eagles for draft picks. Which team made the best deal last week? Well, let's think about this, right? You're looking at Devontae Parker going to the Pats plus a, a fifth-round pick. So the Pats got the player. And they got a pick in exchange for the 2023 third-round pick. Now, Devontae Parker is solid, but unspectacular. He he hasn't had the quarterback. We can I think we can agree on that that he has not had the quarterback that can kind of uh, make him the best possible player he can be. But um, I don't know. I gotta go. I got to go with the Eagles and the Saints. You know, the Eagles are, are making some moves. Like, the Saints gave up the 16 and the 19. The Saints, the Saints got, excuse me, the 16th and 19th pick in this draft, plus a sixth-round pick. Eagles got the number 18, another first-round pick for next year, a second-round pick for two years from now, plus a third-round pick this year, and a seventh round pick for this year. So I really I like what the Eagles are doing. If they have if they're trying to get teams involved and they're trying to and if they're trying to, you know, maneuver into 
you know, getting as many draft picks as possible, flushing out that roster and really improving it. I really like what the Eagles are doing, but from the short-term standpoint, you got to think that Devontae Parker and Mac Jones are going to, you know, make some magic in the short term. The other, I, the other ones you think, you know, other ones are lottery tickets. You never know. I like, I'm going to go with Pats first because they got the player. They have the bird in the hand now. Eagles second. I like what the Saints are doing third. Dolphins, it ended up being kind of a wash for them in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, so with, uh, I mean, you, you got the Saints really banking on this year's draft, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they got a, they got a lot invested. They're trying to really retool now. When I first looked at this, I thought like you did. I was like, man, the Devontae, I love the Devontae Parker trade. He'll have success in New England. They're, they're, they've got the young quarterback, young receiver. They've got that dynamic. It's all going to work. But, man, the Eagles robbed the Saints, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you think about this, right, the Saints' 2023 first-round pick could potentially be a top-five pick because they could suck next year. And then all of a sudden, the Eagles have that pick, and they're taking the top five. And then, this, you know, what happens then is the Saints, could, the, the Eagles could be like, well, Jalen Hurts is doing great. Jalen Rieger's really come on. Uh, Miles Sanders is playing well. Let's go get another weapon. Let's go get another receiver. Let's get, let's get a, you know, a, you know, a, a some, somebody else to tie this offense really together tightly. Or let's, let's go start building on our defense. Or now, if Jalen Hurts struggles this year, you have the potential to take a quarterback in the first five picks because next year's quarterback class is supposed to be studly. So for me, this was a no-brainer for the Eagles. So I I, I, change, I understand what you're saying that it's a lottery. Yes, 100%. But that whole a, uh, NFC East is a lottery system right now. Like, they could afford to take these risks and take these chances, and it could pay off in the long run. So uh, what I would say is I would say Eagles uh, – then the Patriots, then the Saints, and then the Dolphins. The Dolphins got whatever. Was it a fifth-round pick? Yeah, it was, it's hardly uh, hardly anything of note. But right. if I am the New York Giants, I am calling the Saints, right? I have two top ten picks. I'm not trading number five because I think Evan Neal, I think the tackle is going to be available. Now... Do I, if they are so hard up and they really want to get into this top 10 to maybe take a Kenny Pickett or a Malik Willis, or if they want to, if they really think that Jameis Winston's their guy and, you know, they want to get a skill position player to help him out. If I'm Joe Shane, I'm calling them. I'll take 16 and 19 off your hands. I will take, I will happily move back from seven, provided that I got Evan Neal from Alabama. Yeah. Yes, and they should. I mean, if the if the Saints are really high on this draft, then you that they absolutely should. And I guess what the Saints are trying to do to themselves, they're saying, you know, all these teams seem to not be interested in this year's draft. So this is our chance to really get the best players, right? That's what they're thinking. There are so many teams that have multiple first round picks and multiple picks within the first sixty that. There are other teams that are just like, whatever, we're getting ready for next year's draft. Our team is solid. 
So I think it's worth the phone call. See, now, if I'm the Saints, I don't know if I want to draft my quarterback yet. But now, right, you should because you're not going to be able to get a quarterback next year because you've given your quarterback pick away, <laughs> possibly, right. potentially. So, and for me, I think Kenny Pickett, you could just write him in right now. I think he's going to Carolina. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Um, and that's good for them. You know, you're going to start there. And, you know, I think they're still just fielding calls from McCaffrey, but it's just not going to materialize. I don't think it's going to materialize either. And you want to surround a new young quarterback with as many weapons as you can. And that's why the DJ well, Moore extension. Well, yeah. Protect so, him. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, it's you have to you have to be sure and and this is where the panthers have faltered in that i mean it's been a heavily christian mccaffrey team right it's been like once he goes down you might as well chalk it up season's over like i understand you bring in the dj moore extension you bring in robbie anderson you try and bring in guys that can kind of alleviate that stress uh, even Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard was a, a you know, a, a smart pick by Matt Rule and that team. But, I mean, if Evan Neal isn't available and he's consensus the best number one offensive tackle, I mean, you, you have probably have to go best player available if that means grabbing another wide receiver. I think that would probably be a way to go. But um, I don't know if Kenny Pickett's going to be the answer. I don't know if Malik Willis, I mean, if they're high on Malik Willis, they could probably get Malik Willis later. They don't need to draft him at six. I mean, I, I really, you know, none of these guys are like, yes, absolutely. Every one of them, you know, you have Willis, you have Pickett, you have Corral. They all feel like reaches in the top 10. It's time for the mail route on the fade route. If you want to get featured, hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com or slide in those dms at fade route podcast on ig or drop us a line on our twitter page at fade route dnz all right boys and girls we have a full a full email box for you today. And as a reminder, if you want to email us, hit us up, slide in those DMs, faderoutemail at gmail.com, faderoutepodcast on IG, or at faderoutednz on Twitter. Our first email comes from Jeff Inschenectady. Friend of the show, I guess. Brand new. Good, good on you, Jeff. Which is a bigger deal? The Yankees not being able to lock up Aaron Judge before the start of the season or Jacob deGrom starting the season on the IL for the Mets? Man, I think both are concerning. But I said this last year, the Mets should have traded deGrom while the market was high for him. He was supposed to be the one-two punch this year with Scherzer. Some people thought the Mets were title contenders with deGrom and Scherzer. If he doesn't give them 20 to 30 starts, they're not going anywhere. I'm not a fan of Aaron Judge. Okay, from what I hear, he's looking to become the highest paid player, the highest paid player in baseball with a nine-year deal. Um, he's betting on himself this season, which could come back to bite him in the ass. 
So even if he hits free agency, you would think the Yankees would still have a chance to match or exceed whatever offer he gets. So I'm going to go with DeGrom starting on the I.L. The one silver lining about the DeGrom injury is that it's happening early in the season. That it's a scapular injury. Oh, you're such an optimist when it comes to this damn team and this damn player. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> would I, well, let's think about this. Would I rather have this or would I rather have Max Scherzer in his dead arm in September? Which I might get anyway. You're going to get both of them. I'm going to get both of them. So I might as well have it. I'll have it early, which means he's there late. This fucking guy's going to stub his toe going to the bathroom and be out for the postseason. The frustration level is high. The frustration level is high. But if a healthy Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in baseball, bar none, he is the best. He's better than Scherzer. He's better than Otani. He's better than Robbie Ray. He's better than anybody you can throw out there. When he's right, he is no-hit stuff every day. Now, Aaron Judge... Aaron Judge is going to enter. He's entering his age 30 season, right? He's 30 years old. Do you really want to lock up a guy as big as he is for nine years? He peaks, right? 52 home runs in 2017. He hit 39 last year. At what point does that big body start to break down? And I'm concerned about that. I don't think that like, he's, he's very good. Aaron Judge is very good. I, he's I'm good. Not, he's good. He's, he's very good. good. He's very good. He's good. He's good. You're giving. He's good. He's a good player. He's a good uh, player. He's not, he's he ain't not, very good. Yeah. He's not. He's not highest paid good. Like that to me. Like this goes back to football, right? Like every every Super Bowl winning quarterback has to get their extension, or if you just get to the Super Bowl, you get an extension. Like Joe Flacco was the highest paid at one point. Matthew Stafford was the highest paid. Matt Ryan was highest. I mean, to me, Aaron Judge falls in that category, like of a Matthew Stafford or a Matt Ryan or a Joe Flacco. Very good to very good, but not great. Not all time must pay you. And as it turns out, Mike Trout isn't that isn't worth it either because he's not on the fucking field. So at some point, I and. Brian Cashman is not, you know, he's not coy about this either. He's like, he'll, he's fine letting him go. He's fine letting him go. So if you are fine with letting him go and the Yankees are kind of a middling team, would you trade him? Get something back for him at the deadline. And it's quite feasible that the Yankees could be a middling team because you have Garrett Cole, right? And then what? And not that Garrett Cole is anything great. He got bombed for three runs in the first inning yesterday against the Red Sox. <laughs> Welcome back, Garrett. Alleged superstar, baby. Good for you. But seriously, it, it's, you know, if you're going to be a middle of the, the pack team, which if you look at the Rays, you look at the Blue Jays, you're going to be a middle of the pack team. I could definitely see Aaron Judge being put on the block at some point. If you believe in Jason Dominguez and. You know, he's a couple years away, but you have some, you have pieces on your team and in your system that can get you to that point. And realistically, like if Brian Cashman is comfortable moving on from this guy, you know, that seems to be a, it seems to be a pretty noteworthy news. You know, I've been, as a Met fan, I've kind of learned to live without the Grom. 
like, I kind of learned to, to expect that he's not going to be there at this point. And he hasn't gotten paid yet. That's the kicker. Like, he hasn't really, like, he's still, you know, he hasn't really delivered yet. But Aaron Judge, nah, I, I just, I don't see it. I, I, if this was two years ago, three years ago, I, you know. So which is the bigger deal? I would argue that the DeGrom injury is a bigger deal, but Aaron Judge is definitely more noteworthy because DeGrom has been hurt. Okay. Email number two from Matt in Cameron, North Carolina. Okay, another newbie. Now that Coach K is gone, what is the floor and what is the ceiling for the number one recruiting class for 2022? Well, I would think the ceiling would be winning the ACC tournament and making the Elite Eight. Um, I would say the floor would be an early exit in the ACC tournament and in the NCAA tournament. I think the team finishes top 10 in the country just based on talent. I mean, talent can overcome bad coaching, even in college basketball. So you're looking at six overall commission uh, commissions, five of them from the ESPN 100, three five-star recruits, four, three four-star recruits. So you have a good crop of players coming in. You have a good pedigree with these guys. To me, it falls on John Shire, right? But if he can step in and continue on where Mike Krzyzewski left off, and depending on what the other teams around him do, I mean, it's hard to say. You could easily, you know, it could be national championship. We don't know. You know, you're that's the problem with trying to project out high school kids. Like, you really don't know. It's a new scenario for Duke. It's a new system for these kids. They're going from, most likely, from a system where they're the guy. And now you have guys who are just as good or better than you. So, does that create friction? Does that, you know... Does that build ego? Does that build conflict? Now you have name, image, and likeness scenarios. Like, are you know, is somebody going to get pissy over the fact that Buffalo Wild Wings gave them the NIL rights instead of me? Like, this is something that needs to be said. But if everybody has their head on straight and Shire can demonstrate that he is a solid head coach, then you know, the sky's the limit. It's it, a national championship for Duke is always, always within the realm of possibility. Now, if John Shire proves to be a middling coach, first round ACC knockout, that is absolutely within the realm of reason. They're not going to get lower than a nine seed. And the, they're still going to make the tournament, but I, I can't see them going anywhere below the nine seed just because of the name on their jersey. Email number three, coming from Billy in Detroit. Hey guys, the Rays traded Austin Matthews to the Tigers. Did the Rays just fleece another team, or is Austin Meadows entering his prime? I think the Rays front office knows what they're doing. I've never been a fan. I've never been a fan of Austin Meadows. Um. Word is the Rays tried to sign Freddie Freeman at one point, 
Mm-hmm. So maybe they're going to make a run at Aaron Judge next season. Mm. How about mm. that? Interesting. Definitely interesting. Um, You know... You don't trade with the Rays, man. You don't yeah. trade with the Rays. There's, there's some rules that you need to follow. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit in the wind. And if the Tampa Bay Rays call you asking about a player... You hang up. You hang up. <laughs> you hang up. Like, and it makes you wonder. They got a competitive balance B pick. They also got infielder Isaac Paredes. Okay. You know, Paredes, he's a versatile player. Like, he's, you know, right up, he's right up the alley for the Rays, right? And the Benzobrists of the world and the Mike Brasso's of the world. A versatile guy, but if you're looking, you you have to think, you have to think that this is an instance of we can unlock this guy's potential because he only hit 208 with a homer and five ribbies in 23 games with the Tigers last year. Granted, it was the Tigers, and the Tigers were freaking awful. But you have to wonder, and anytime, anytime the Rays call you about one of your guys, just like what do they know? that I don't know. And, you know, <laughs> Austin Meadows, he's 27 years old. Okay, he's athletically, physically, he's entering his prime. But there's a lot of up and down. There's been a lot of ups and downs. Like, he had a 33, but then you're looking at a 4, and then 27. He only played 36 games. You know, the high water mark of games in his career was last year at 142. So that's definitely something they're selling they're, high, man. They're they selling have high. To. I mean, they're absolutely selling high, but it makes you wonder what this kid Paredes is all about. Because if this is if they got an all star, right? Because Austin Meadows is a one time all star. Okay, like you got a, a upper echelon caliber player for just a competitive B, and this kid. They must think this kid's the goods. Like, I, you know, I, I, it's just a nagging feeling. It's a nagging feeling again that the Rays know better than you. Don't answer the phone. You can, you could have gotten. Well, let's let's think about this for a second. Austin Meadows, career 260, 200. You know, you're looking at 70 career home runs. That's fine. Like he's a career six WAR plus six. Solid player, good outfielder. You you easily could have gotten more. I, I I feel like you could have gotten so much more. Like you could have. I mean, the Twins were open for business, right? <laughs> the Twins. I don't. Obviously, Taylor's thinking. I don't know what the hell he's thinking. I don't know what's going on there. You're telling me that you know San Diego has a hard on for outfielders. They couldn't. You couldn't trade San Diego and probably get more. So there's something, something here, right? There, there's definitely, there's something here. And it's just, it, it makes you scratch your head. But it makes you think, shit, they did it again. Oops, I did it again. Are you in need of air care, maintenance, or service? I have the company for you. Air care technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area 
and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It is time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. We put up a poll. We give you our nominees. You go on our Twitter at FadeRouteDNZ and you vote and you vote and you vote and you vote. The winner gets announced on this very show. And do you know who took home the alleged superstar of the week? Who took home the coveted ass last week, D? I don't. One Mr. Will Smith. Oh, that was one of mine. He parlayed that five-finger stinger right into a 10-year ban from the Academy. So when the Oscars come around, he can just sit and watch in his pajamas and eat ice cream. So that's pretty good. Good for you, Will. Woo! Ha-ha! So, who are your nominees for Alleged Superstar of the Week this week, D? My first is Aaron Boone, facing the Boston Red Sox in the season over. You bat Donaldson first and plays Matthew, not LeMahieu, and Falefa over Torres. Come on, man. Aaron Boone, you're my alleged superstar of the week. Next is LeBron James, the king, the best basketball player on the face of the planet, is missing the playoffs after winning the championship two years ago. The best player in air quotes in basketball and the face of the league should not miss the playoffs. LeBron James, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last and least, our commissioner, Adam Silver. This week during a press conference, he spoke about the need to incentivize players to play more regular season games. Incentivize players to play regular season games? Isn't that what their contracts are for? Isn't that what a isn't that what they're getting paid to do? We have to incentivize them to fulfill their contract. This is what happens when you let players run your league. Adam Silver, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What do you got, Z? Well, Adam Silver, that's just dipshit of the year award. Never mind. You know, we're going to skip alleged superstar. We're going to go right to dipshit of the year. Incentivize playing during the regular season. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that's what the contract was about. Maybe that's what the endorsements were about. Maybe that's why there's 30,000 people in the stadium trying to watch them play. I don't know. Don Draper once said on Mad Men, that's what the money's for. Like, that's what the fucking money's for. Are you kidding me, dude? They don't need more money. You need to freaking crack down on this. You're John, the boss. John Wall did not play a regular season all year, and he's been paid his full salary. Oh. And you know what? That's that's not going to be... What is that? I don't know. Ben don't know. Simmons is on the Nets. 
Apparently, he herniated a disc or slipped a disc in his back doing God knows what because he hasn't played basketball in almost 12 months. Well, here's it's from going to file the grievance. He had the paperwork and he slipped and he herniated the disc in his back. He's filing a grievance against the Sixers for 20 million bucks that they withheld from him because he was not playing this year. But brilliant. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Ugh. God, but we do have a new contender. We have a new contender for Alleged Superstar of the Week. Adam Schefter, for your callous, insensitive, and just plain stupid tweet in reference to the death of Dwayne Haskins. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I, I, you know, it's, you want to talk about don't piss on somebody's grave. Like, that's the very literal definition of pissing on somebody's grave. Adam Schefter, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Ronald Acuna Jr. For not letting sleeping dogs lie in this alleged riff with former teammate Freddie Freeman. In an interview recently, Acuna acknowledged the fact that he didn't get along with Freeman because he did some things and was critical of Ronald Acuna when he was a rookie. Like... The eye black and the sunglasses and dude, just play. Like the vet, the role of the veteran is to teach you how to be a professional. You can be a professional without being a whiner. And you, Ronald Acuna, are sounding like a whiner. Ronald Acuna Jr., you are my alleged superstar of the week. And speaking of whiners, Brian Cashman. We would have won a World Series. The Yankees would have won a World Series if it wasn't for the horrific actions of the Houston Astros. Never mind that we were also cheating. We were cheating too, but they cheated better. Brian Cashman, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Take that weak shit someplace else. Take that weak shit someplace else. You know who I expect that from? My team. I expect that from the Mets. I don't expect that. You are the Yankees. You are the New York Yankees. Start acting like it. I think we've said our piece, ladies and gentlemen. The poll goes up after the show. And for our nominees. Just do better, boys. Just do better. podcast has its own merch line now go to the fade store with dnz.com today for all your fade route merch needs i'm talking tank tops t-shirts sweatshirts like yoga pants we got those too like some cool accessories we got those too and we're not done yet we have so much more planned for you but check out what we have today at the fade store with dnz.com that's the fade store with dnz.com Order up! All right, boys and girls, it's time for us to order up. Order up, order up. This week, we are ordering up our top five players to watch during the 2022 2022 Major League Baseball season. 
from five to one. Who you got, D? All right, I'm starting off with one of your boys. Uh, number five, I got Jacob DeGrom. Uh, others might disagree, but I truly believe the Mets season hinges on DeGrom being able to pitch 20 to 30 games. DeGrom can't pitch. I don't think the Mets can win. Number four, Anthony Volpe, Yankees' number one prospect, should be brought up to the big leagues this year. Will he pick up the mantle Jeter Jeter left behind? (laughs) Or will he be traded for a star-studded center fielder? Uh, Number three, Juan Soto. Everyone seems to think he is the next Mike Trout type player. Uh, He turned down a $350 million extension in February, essentially betting on himself to over-deliver on expectations. And number two, Aaron Judge. He did not sign the offer the Yankees delivered to him before the start of the regular season. So he is uh, playing. He's playing for now. He's, uh, He's potentially auditioning for his next team uh, this season. A banner year could mean a big payday. A year filled with injury could mean a return to the Yankees for less years and less money. And number one is Mike Trout. At one point, everyone considered him the best player in baseball. However, after two years filled with injuries, uh, only one playoff appearance, and the arrival of Otani, people are starting to sour on the big fish. All good choices. All very, very good choices. And Anthony Volpe, you know, it's very likely that he has, he will never play a game in the Bronx. Yeah. And, you know, who's to say that, uh, you know, he might not, he might end up elsewhere for a big center field, like you said, or they need starting pitching depth. But this is why, but this is why I kind of cautioned that he could be traded for a Mike Trout or a top tier player, especially with Judge holding out in his contract. No, it's definitely a possibility. And you know what? Like Mike Trout, that's a good one because he needs to, they need to move him out of center field. He because, that, make... because that's the play, right? The play is they're, they're not going to be able to trade Aaron Judge. But what you do is, is we go get the player that we want. And now when Aaron leaves, we don't care. No, absolutely. You get you cover your bases, but um, you know you never know who comes calling. You never know when uh, a a need arises, and then you kind of swoop. But for me, speaking of needs arising, number five for me, Jordan Hicks of the Cardinals. The depth in the rotation isn't there right now. They're relying on the ageless Adam Wainwright. Like Wayno still gets the ball. They moved Jordan Hicks out of the closer's role, where he was thriving. He is he's actually quite good as a closer. Anytime you stretch out a reliever, especially a guy who throws as hard as he does, it makes you wonder, right? It makes you wonder if he's actually going to A, transition well and develop a secondary pitch, or B, flame out because he can't throw 102 miles an hour consistently. So Jordan Hicks is definitely on my radar. Number four, Spencer Torkelson of the Detroit Tigers. Top prospect. One of the top prospects in all of baseball. Has hit at every single level. College, he's only had one minor league season, but destroyed the minors to the point where he's now in the bigs. Let's see what the kid's made of. 
Is he going to end up being a superstar? Is he going to be an also ran? Is he going to be a Phil Nevin type who could was a solid bench player but could never live up to the superstar status? We'll see. And Detroit knows all about this because Phil Nevin definitely, you know, he had he had a little bit of a spell with the Tigers. Number three, Fernando Tatis Jr. Is this going to be another injury-plagued season for the flashy yet injury-prone shortstop? Borderline reckless. Borderline reckless. If he can somehow bridle himself, he's a stud. He's established that he's a stud. But you need to be able to stay healthy. And that's who I'm watching this year. Because if they, if San Diego can win without him, that's definitely telling. Because we've seen that a lot with, with other teams in other leagues. They're winning without their superstar players now. So we'll see what Fernando Tatis' impact and value truly is. My last two are all about living up to contracts. For me, number two, Francisco Lindor of the Mets. Ah, you got I the wait for that. You got the trade. You got the trade you wanted. You got the money you want. Last year is a write-off year. Now is the time to prove that you can handle New York. And now is the time to prove that you are mature enough to be a leader on this team. No rat raccoon bullshit. No getting into fights with Jeff McNeil. No trading for Javi Baez. They can't trade for Javi Baez this year. He just inked a big money deal with the Tigers. You are running out of excuses. You are running out of time. You need to prove that you are worth the what little the Mets sent to the Guardians. Because Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, I mean, that's, it really wasn't that much. They didn't really send that much to the Guardians. And for me, number one, a recent free agent signing, one Mr. Chris Bryant. At one point, he was MVP. He was Rookie of the Year, four-time All-Star. World Series champion. Kind of meh. Kind of meh for most of his career. Kind of eh, eh, not great. Not fantastic. But was last year, was last year what's going to take him over the edge and propel him into consistent superstar status? Or is Colorado going to consume him like many others have been consumed before? It was a head-scratcher when they signed him. It's still a head-scratcher. It's not the move a winning ball player makes. And we're going to see what Chris Bryant's made of. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast usually on Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. Time for us to run the go route, but we'll talk to you next week. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG, Fade Route Mail at gmail.com, or slide in our DMs at Twitter at Fade Route DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions. You name it. We want to hear from you. Get at us, in crowd. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.